Ah, sweet land of liberty. Our founding fathers not only pledged, but gave their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to obtain our God-given liberty. Now it's our turn. Liberty can only thrive if it's alive in the hearts of a freedom-loving people. I'm Dan Matthews, and I'm pleased to welcome you to Freedom's Ring. Here's our host and constitutional lawyer and minister, Alan Reinach. Welcome back to Freedom's Ring, my friends. We have just been through a bruising confirmation battle over the newly anointed Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh. We want to look at some nonpartisan takeaways from all of this. My guest today, uh, attorney Nicholas Miller, also professor at Andrews University and director of the Andrews University International Institute for Religious Freedom, something like that. I probably botched it, Nick, but it's close enough. Close <laughs> well, welcome back to Freedom's Ring, my friend. It's always good to be here, Alan. So I know, you know, you have really tried to look for some nonpartisan takeaways from what has been a very emotional. Uh, it's amazing how Americans on both sides of this debate became so supercharged over this issue. But let's take the heat down a little bit. What are your thoughts? Yeah, great question. I teach at a Christian university here, and so we're trying to get our students to think about Christian citizenship without sliding into um, you know partisan corners. And so what I attempted to do was to put together five lessons that could be drawn from this, whether you're on the Republican side or the Democratic side. And the lesson that I started with, and I think it's the most important one, because most Americans believe Dr. Ford, and the statistics show that most women, the vast majority of women who claim to have been assaulted, are telling the truth. Most women don't make it up. And lesson number one for me was that women and other victims need to be provided with better and more supportive reporting options uh, so that they can comfortably come forward in a timely manner in a form which will provide support, accountability, and justice. And this isn't just for civil society. We need this in the church. Um, I'm also an attorney working for the church organization here in the Midwest. And I'm aware that while we do have some systems in place, I don't think they're fully adequate. And we're working with church leaders to create more responsive and more caring and supportive environments for women and other victims who believe they've been assaulted. And that's a major you know, takeaway. Nick, let me double down on this, because as I'm listening to you talk about the inadequacy of how we deal with complaints of rape, of harassment, you know, the church-state council work is to deal with religious discrimination and harassment, but we also occasionally encounter people who are harassed both for their religion and sexually harassed. And I have cases like that, and I have clients who are terrified of having to give deposition testimony, of having to go to court, and are ready just to throw everything away because it's just so painful. And, you know, the process, and frankly, the defense attorneys have taken the art of uh, destroying the victim and blaming the victim and just punishing them for coming forward, uh, have taken it to a, a very high level. And uh, it's the system really is not adequate. And I don't think most Americans understand that. No, that's right. And our church actually has a nationwide policy that we should have something called concerned care practitioners, uh, trained counselors um, and uh, therapists 
who would especially work with victims to help understand and tell their stories, um, you know, adjudicative bodies and immediately give them an advocate. And if you check with your uh, union or conference, you'll probably discover they don't have this set up and they should. So that's certainly something we can start with. And this is closely related to what I call lesson two, and that is that legal justice will generally not be found in political forums. Uh, what we saw at the Kavanaugh hearing was an attempt to shoehorn in a, in a legal investigation about legal justice into a highly partisan, highly politicized environment. And those two things just don't go together. And the problem is that um, a Senate hearing really isn't designed like a court is uh, with a jury of uh, fact finders who can take long periods of time to objectively examine evidence. You have a jury in the Senate, effectively of highly partisan individuals who are given five-minute time limits on their questioning. And so we shouldn't be surprised at all when the outcome divides purely along partisan lines. And that's why we need to have this alternative you know, systems and forums much earlier so women and other victims will come forward and not wait until there's just um, you know, a highly partisan-charged environment that really almost can't find legal justice and is trapped by its partisan perspectives. Well, you know, but this raises a couple of, uh, a couple of observations, Nick. First of all, many Americans, certainly on my Facebook page, were very confused and thought that you know, if the accusations did not prove guilt beyond a reasonable doubt, which is a standard in criminal law, then they were completely irrelevant for purposes of, you know, confirmation hearing. And, you know, as you say, it's a political environment. It's not a court. And establishing criminal guilt was not at issue. But you know, Americans were certainly confused on this. You know, and the second point that it raises is the fact that, uh, you know, given the credibility of Dr. Ford's testimony, the FBI could have been charged with conducting a thorough examination. And uh, by all appearances, they were not. And so, yes, it was a very partisan process. And after, you know, two women have come forward in the Supreme Court you know, hearing procedures and basically been demonized and kind of tossed aside, uh, it's certainly unlikely that women are going to want to come forward in the future. And I, I think that that is an unfortunate uh, byproduct of this process. Well, I mean, but to look at the other side of it for a moment, and not that there's another side against women who've been assaulted, but there is another side in terms of um, having accusations from decades ago being brought forward for the first time against a man or any person who appears to have lived an upright and responsible life for decades, um, and then suddenly he's on trial, not in a real court, for his very reputation, and to uh, suggest that it's a good thing for um, these charges to be brought forward only in this very high-profile forum at the very last minute um, creates a problematic precedent as well. Because while we believe Dr. Ford, for various reasons, I think, um, if this precedent was set, how many times in the future might people come forward at the last moment with unverified and uncorroborated allegations uh, that aren't true? And how are we going to sort that out in this context? It's very difficult. 
So we need to do a better job at channeling these claims into more supportive and more justice-oriented forms earlier on. Fair Um, enough. And it relates to lesson three, that time does matter. And I know that, you know, these allegations were three decades and more old, and it doesn't mean they're not true. And I know that there's lots of reasons. I'm I'm supportive of and and part of an organization that helps uh, women that are assaulted. And I know there's all sorts of reasons that they don't report the assaults. They're not believed. They could be in further danger. um, And all these things are true. And we need to try to listen to even older claims and do the best we can. But the reality is older claims are more difficult to deal with. Witnesses vanish. Memories fade. Evidence disappears. Um, just can't be handled with the same vigor um, and um, specificity if it was brought earlier. And that's why well, we need to encourage that to happen. And Nick, this highlights a very real, present, and ongoing challenge we have here in California, which are continued efforts to open up statutes of limitations on especially clergy abuse cases that would allow claims from decades ago to be brought, not against the individuals alone or even necessarily, but against the institutions, which are completely incapable of evaluating the merits of these decades-old claims. So I certainly, you know, see a lot in what you're saying about the relevance of time. Well, it is very difficult. I do think that especially when there are um, significant differences in power differential, you know, when you have adults that are of claim to have molested children, um, that that there do need to be long periods of time because those children simply don't understand the significance of what's happened to them for many years, even decades. And I don't think that should shut off justice. Um, but in this case, the Kavanaugh case, this wasn't a claim about, you know, adults and children. It was two teenagers. And I think it becomes much more difficult to try to educate these things many years later. Anyway, I can't miss my lesson number four because it's so important, and that is beer is bad. Beer is bad. Um, Yes. As everybody who uh, watched the Saturday Night Live version of the Kavanaugh testimony, I like beer. Despite despite what Kavanaugh says, beer hadn't been involved, he wouldn't have had this problem. That's Pretty clearly that's the case. The media doesn't like to focus on alcohol. It has all sorts of ad revenue and dollars from it. And the media doesn't like to focus on it because they see it as somehow maybe partially blaming the woman who was drinking as well as perhaps decreasing the guilt of the attacker. Um, But statistics show that 60% of sexual assault cases have alcohol involved. It's a clearly contributing factor to most of the cases that happen. And if I don't tell my daughter that she's more likely to be a victim of sexual assault, especially if she drinks excessively, then I'm being a bad father. And if I don't tell my son that if he drinks, he sets himself up to be in a situation where he can be accused of sexual harassment or assault, uh, especially if he drinks excessively to memory blackout, then I'm also being a bad father. Uh, it's not about assigning blame or guilt. It's about training my children to avoid uh, difficult situations and circumstances. Well, you know, you and I both serve in Seventh-day Adventist institutions, and um, our church has a long history with the temperance movement. And I think it's the tendency towards violence uh, that really was a primary factor 
in our church's commitment to temperance, to you know, seeing the impact that alcohol has had, the destructive influence on so many lives. Yes, we need to rediscover and reinvigorate this message. And there have been some articles out there about having a neo-temperance movement, perhaps not for full prohibition as uh, happened in the past, but uh, making greater efforts like celebrities have with smoking that has decreased the uh, you know smoking in America significantly. If we could see the externalities and problems with alcohol, uh, perhaps we could take this more seriously and, and protect many more of our young people. Uh, we have just about a minute left. Point number five. Okay, point number five. Confirmation hearings can't be allowed to become circuses. Um, Good yeah, luck with that one. <laughs> well, I, I think what should have happened here, look, this didn't help Dr. Ford, Justice Kavanaugh, or the Supreme Court. They were treated as tools uh, and pawns by both the far left and right. Um, their reputations were savaged. Um, I think the hearing should have been held in private. It shouldn't have been opened up to a public spectacle, um, which has, uh, you know, really impacted them for the future. We can't let political partisan extremists to roll in last-minute hand grenades into our processes and blow them up in such destructive ways. We've got to be smarter about it and rely on our, our representatives to um, review this kind of evidence for us and make a determination and not turn it into a circus. I've been talking about the uh, uh, nonpartisan takeaways of the Kavanaugh hearings with attorney scholar Nicholas Miller. Nick, thanks for being with us on Freedom's Ring today, as always. Thanks. As we close, we want to remind our listeners here at Freedom's Ring, we don't just talk about religious freedom. We help those suffering religious discrimination, especially in the workplace. Check out our legal resources page at churchstate.org. All one word, churchstate.org. And Freedom's Ring is also available on SoundCloud and, of course, on iTunes. Don't forget, friends, freedom is not free. Be informed. Get involved. This has been Freedom's Ring. I'm your host, Alan Reinach. Until next week, let freedom ring.